me to book songs. And uh, what I want to do, um, I'll put up a graph um, in a couple of weeks. I want to take you as we go through uh, some of our Old Testament. Uh, I want to just stop here, and what will be neat is, is I'm going to go through some of the pages and, and past where we are. I know that we just, you know, we were doing First and Second Chronicles, and next comes Ezra. But what's really there's a big gap uh, after, really after First um, uh, and Second Kings. And what's neat is, is you can get a lot of different um, discussion about uh, time frames in Scripture, and it's been a real interesting. Uh, look for me to try to put this thing together thought process wise and so what I want to do is now is I want to stop and I want to take you to some of the passages of scripture like Psalms that was written but it's farther on in your Bible but it's written earlier than what you think it is and it's during certain time frames that I want you to see where scripture is I know you um, if you would have a, um, a chronological Bible it would be different than what's in front of most of you. And so basically after you have first and second kings in your Bible it goes first and second chronicles, which is not wrong. It's just that's the way they've put it together as the word of God. But there's a big gap now. And the gap if depends on who you like to read, it could be up to four hundred years, it can be farther. But you just go and, and get first second kings, and you go first second chronicles, and then you just go right on to Ezra and Nehemiah and, and wait a minute, there's a whole there's a, there's a gap here. So I want to take you through a little things a little bit different. I'm going to start with Psalms. Because Psalms was written during this gap time. And it covers a thousand years. And what I want you to see as we go through the book of Psalms, and uh, if you have your, your Bible, I just want you to go with me to Psalm 100. And I want you to look at a, a couple of things as we look through the book of Psalms. I want you... Um, Look, Psalm 100, I realize that there's 150 chapters that covers the book of Psalms. If you um, are doing any type of you know, study, uh, you could come through a lot of different themes as you go through the book of Psalms. You've got war, you've got peace, you've got worship, you've got judgment. There's a lot of those things that are in the book of Psalms. And then if you go through um, the book of Psalms, there's a lot of different classifications. It's really interesting as you go through your Bible, you just kind of jump and say, oh, well, here's Psalm 100. Well, it's written differently than maybe Psalm 1 would be written. But if you don't think that through, and if you don't have a good study Bible, you just kind of just keep on reading, and you're not grabbing the whole picture that's around you. Uh, as you th- think through the book of Psalms, and you, you know, I realize you've got 150 chapters, so to, to pull it down to one sentence and say, here's the book of Psalms in one sentence is impossible. But God is worthy to be praised because of who he is, what he has done, and what he will do. So as you come to the book of Psalms, and you just need to stop this morning and just be reminded that your father is worthy to be praised because of who he is. And you sang about his love, and you sang about his faithfulness, I want you just maybe a couple of you share with me how you've seen God be faithful to you over the years. What would be an example of that? Of God's faithfulness to you? Go ahead. 
Protection. Okay. Protection for Stuart as he travels. What else? Okay. Protection for your family. What else? Okay. As he leads us. Okay. Health. Never missed a meal that I didn't want to miss. Faithful. <laughs> Was able to miss the meal that he wanted to miss. All right. What else? Faithfulness. Okay, keeps us safe. Gives us the strength we need when we need it. What else? The ability to serve him. Okay? Okay? Unconditional love. His promise still stands. Did you sit here this morning? Yes, sir. I'm still saved, but I'm still a sinner. Yeah. He's faithful to sinners, isn't he? To save So as you've gathered together as a family, it's very easy just to slip into a seat where you normally sit. I know, I always sit over there too. It's really easy for us just to, to come in and, and sit in the same seat and just kind of just not really stop and make any of it personal. He loves us. Yeah, he does love us, but he loves you. He's faithful to us, but he's faithful to you. And if we never stop and say, hey, here's my father. Yes, he is a faithful. That's great to know. Hey, God's faithful, but how is he faithful to me today? How does he love me today? Sacrificially. Willing to give up his life from us. Oh, how he loves me. His choice to demonstrate his love towards me. Towards you. He wanted you to know that. And I think it's great to sing the songs, but I think what's exciting is, is when you start to open up this book and you go seek it for yourself. God, show me your faithfulness here. Because what's normal here is the emotion of the moment. I came and I sang the songs and they made me feel good, but feelings go away. And so when I stop and seek His Word, as I've read, already read in Psalm 100, in verse 5. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Wouldn't you have given up by now? Wouldn't you start looking around and saying, you know what, this, these people are a mess. They're not getting any better. They're actually getting dumber. They're actually getting worse. You would think with all the technology and all the information that we have before us, we would be a really intelligent group of people. We don't even value life. I went through, and I don't know if you watch this, and I don't do a lot of this, but I, I was just reading the whole thing about the gorilla and the little person. I was fascinated about the comments of people that were aggravated that the, the child was saved because they had to kill the gorilla. A gorilla over light. A gorilla. Not just one comment. Hundreds of comments. And it's amazing. You would think 
with all the technology that we would stop and say, wow, that little person is valuable. Let's do whatever it takes to protect that life. But life is not important anymore. Life is not valuable in America. But still God chooses to be faithful to you and me, even though the majority of the place that we live is not faithful to him, that don't even like him, actually would point their finger and say, you know what, we don't want to have anything to do with you. He still chooses to be love and faithfulness to them. The book of Psalms covers about a thousand years. As you think about different classifications, also you can read about different people who think things might be a little bit different. Here's one uh, classification. Somebody puts it five different ways. As you read through the book of Psalms, you might want to think about these things. Wisdom type with instruction for the right living. So as you go through the book of Psalms, there will be an author that will write for you for instruction for right living. There will be a psalm as you think through the, the emotions of loss of their enemies. And people are going to lament the loss of of loved ones and family members as they go through the book of Psalms. You're going to read, and we'll read one this morning, of, of, of the life of David and how he grieves over the sin. You read about the kingship or the Messiah, Messianic Psalm. You read about Thanksgiving. MacArthur puts it those ways. William MacDonald puts it this way. There's historical stuff connected with some definite event or events in Israel's history or in life of the Psalms. Messianic Psalms. Dealing with the suffering of Christ and the glories that should follow. Prophetic psalms pointing forward to Israel's future tribulation and subsequent era of peace and prosperity. Also, there's going to be psalms that would record the psalmist's deepest confessions of sin and his brokenness. Heart cries for forgiveness. And there would be a psalm that would be imploring to God to take vengeance on the enemies of Israel, which doesn't make sense to us. And so as you think about that, we live in an age of grace. Most of us don't pray. I don't hope we don't pray that God would take vengeance on people because we live under God's grace. But in those days in war, they didn't have God's grace. And they had to go to battle. And so this morning as we've gathered around the Word of God, I just want to do some things with you in Psalm. And I'm going to go through different ones. So I want you to go start with me in Psalm chapter 2. And I just want to show you You know, Jesus in the Psalms. As you read through the book of Psalms, and you go to Psalm chapter 2, and you read uh, in verse 7, Psalm 2, 7, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to his son, you are my son. Today I have become your father. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. And I want you to read in verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. So prophesied or talked about in Psalm chapter 2 came true in in Matthew chapter 2. Sorry, 3 and verse 17. I want you to go to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8.
You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All flocks and herds and beasts of the air and birds of the the air and and the fish in the sea and all that swim of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 2. Talked about our Savior, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 8. Well, let's read 5. It's not angels that have come subject to the world which are, we are speaking, but there's a place where someone has testified, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor, and you put everything under his feet. Jesus, everything under his feet. I want you to go to Psalm 22 and verse 8. He who trusts in the Lord, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Um, I must have read that in a different... Oh, no, verse 7. For all who see me mock me, and they'll hurl insults, shaking their heads, see you trust in the Lord. Now I want you to go to uh, Luke chapter 23. Luke 23, 35. People stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself. He is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Insult, mock. And the last one I want you to look at is, is, is Psalm 118. Psalm 118, verse 22. The stones the builder rejected has become the, become the capstone. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 21 and verse Sorry, Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this, and in, and in his marvelous is in our eyes. He became the cornerstone. And so as you look through something that will cover a thousand years time frame, if you think about the history where Psalm has been written 150 chapters. You even get a chance to see Jesus in that psalm. And as I've been thinking about um, our time together, I was just doing some devotions 
reading uh, out of this uh, thoughts of a desperate, the diary of a desperate man. And I've been thinking about Jesus, and I've been thinking about him being rejected. I've been thinking about him being the cornerstone. I've been thinking a lot of those things. I've been thinking about him in the garden. I've been thinking about his choice to be broken for us. That's the word that keeps ringing in my heart, is broken. Jesus was willing to be broken for you. Jesus was willing to be broken for me. Am I willing to be broken for him? And so, as we've gathered this morning, I was just reading through um, this this week and, and talking about the rewards of our faith and talking about our relationship with Christ and talking also about um, us being willing to follow him and... Um, Okay. Somebody's talking somewhere. Oh well. Okay. I don't know what it is, but something's happening somewhere over here. I assume you're you profess to know God, but can God know you? Not without emulating the faith of those he calls great. Heaven is not a reward, it's a gift. The reward of your faith is for God to say, I am not of shame to be called your God. I am not ashamed to be called your God. And so we've gathered this morning and we're here to worship. We're here to say, oh, let's, let's have a good time. Let's be together as a family. But as we gather to worship and you look through the book of Psalms and you read prophecy and you see what God has done through His Son and how He broke His Son, how He allowed His Son to be broken for you, as He allowed His Son to go to that garden and cry out to you and say, God, not my will, but Yours be done. So I ask you this question. Is God ashamed of us? Is God ashamed of me? Is God's word, not my feelings, not my emotions, not what I want, but is God's word taking hold of my life? Where I want His word to mold my life so that my life models the characteristics of His life. I know you can remember times when you were younger and you did some things that, were, that brought great embarrassment to your parents. I have vivid memories of things that I had said or comments that I made that I'm sure that my father sank down in his seat thinking, oh my word, what is wrong with that kid? But I wonder what God thinks when he watches my life. When he's placed something in front of me and and we get a chance to sing, oh, yeah, he loves us, but do we love him? Oh, we know that he's faithful, but will we be faithful to him? We know how much he's given for us and what it costs for us to have that relationship with him. Is there that same passion of us moving towards Him? Or is it just, oh, well, I, you know, I came and sat in my seat. I, I was in church. 
But did we worship? Another thing that I've been fascinated as I went through the book of Psalms, and I'm just picking some highlights, is Psalm 19. If you have your Bible, go to Psalm 19. And I love David. I love his honesty. I'm so thankful to the Lord that he left David in the Word of God and given us opportunities to watch David's life and, and wrestle with truth. And if you look at Psalm 19, you can break it down in, in kind of two things. And I, I'm obviously, I'm not going to be able to read all this. So you've got 14 verses, and, and we could, but I'm not going to read it all this morning. But as you, as you open up the book of Psalm 19 in verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of, thy, of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. As you read through that beginning, you get a chance to see... David his view of God and the world. The heavens declare your glories. Day after day, night pours forth speech. And in Psalm 19, David is worshiping. And he sees God's world. But then as you, it kind of transitions in verse 7 to God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making Wise, simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to their heart. The law, the teaching of the Lord restores souls. And if you think of that as a, if you want to think of an illustration, think about Psalm chapter 1. He who meditates on the word of God be like a tree planted by the streams of water. What does that tree do? It bears fruit. And then if you think about the wise The word of God makes the wise simple. You think about children. Out of the mouths of children comes such truth. And then you think about the precepts of the Lord are right. They rejoice in the heart. So the biblical truth, the things that David knew were true, brought joy to his heart. And I, I just imagine, as I think about the precepts of the Lord, I think about Jericho. And the walls. And when God said to Joshua, Joshua, march around these walls, young man. Blow the trumpets and I'll knock them down. The Red Sea. When the nation of Israel is standing there, held captives, they're coming. The Egyptians are coming. God, what do we do? They're freaking out. Where do we go? You brought us out here to die. It's your fault, Moses. What's wrong with you? You mean I want to go back to captivity? How dumb is that? You want to go back to being slaves? Wouldn't you rather die than be a slave to Egypt? Because what your God has done for you? No, let us go back and be slaves. And then God parts the Red Sea. Wow. And what's fascinating as you look at David as he's he's wrestling with this psalm is then you get to Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So it starts out as David's view of the world. It kind of transitioned as David's view to the word of God. And then as he wrestles with this, he's saying, okay, God, I understand how big you are. I've got that. But God, I want to do something. I want to make this really personal. God, I want you to look at my heart. God, I want to open myself up to you. 
Because I know your precepts are true. I know your power. I know who you are. You display it to me in the nighttime. I see the stars. You're there. God, check out my heart. God, I want my heart. The meditations of my heart. Now, this is a little bit scary. Because when you start thinking about the meditations of your heart, this isn't what you tell your spouse. This is the stuff that nobody knows about. This is the stuff that where you get to, you've got some free time and you kind of over here. God says, "Hey, David says, "Hey, I want to I want to open that up to you, Father. I want the meditate. I want you to know the meditation of my heart. which really is going to lead to David a different lifestyle. Because if he was going to let, understand who God was and, and follow in God's word as truth and then say, God, here's my heart, David was going to say, you know what, God? I want to be pleasing to you. I want my lifestyle, Father, to be pleasing to you. Did David do that well? Not all the time. Well, how do I know that? Well, I want you to go with me to Psalm 32. This is a psalm that we think was written after David's sin with Bathsheba. These are the words that are going to be on a piece of paper. You go to Psalm 32, and, and as you just start reading, you don't really think about David and Bathsheba anymore. I mean, that's been a long time ago. That's kind of way on back there. You know, that's 2 Samuel stuff. That's just years ago. I mean, when are we going to be reading over there again? You know. And, I, and the reason I bring this up is because I think we need to be honest when it comes to sin. I think we need to acknowledge it. And so as you look through this psalm, and I'm just going to pick out some highlights. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sins sin the Lord does not count against him, and whose spirit is not deceived. When I keep silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. So David's reminiscing back. After his sin with Bathsheba, the child has been born, and it's dying. And there's nothing that David could do. Now David has to deal with that choice that he made, the sin that he made. He's going to have to make a decision. Night and day, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was zapped. Zapped as is it as is the heat of the summer. We know Florida summer, right? You can go out outside for a little while, and it just zaps you, takes it away, it saps life out. It's gone. That's what David felt before he acknowledged his sin to his God. See, it wasn't where he just sat down and said, you know, God, I'm really sorry that I I did this. No emotion involved. No thought process involved. Well, I know the verse, 1 John 1, 9, if I just confess my sin, yeah, he's faithful and just to forgive it. No, I don't see that in the psalmist. I see a brokenness in their heart, deep down inside saying, God, what I did with Bathsheba was wrong. I acknowledge that. 
I recognized that my life was broken because of the choice that I made. God, I agree with you. David, I, David agreed with God that his sin with Bathsheba was sin. And the consequence of that sin is that little guy died. That child, I don't know if it was a boy or girl, died. When was the last time we have sat down by ourselves and grieved over our sin? When was the last time there was any emotion of our soul, of the choices that we have made? When was the last time that we acknowledged that we accept the truth of the existing of existence of something that was wrong before the God that loves us, that is wrong before the God that is faithful, that is wrong before the God that said, hey, I'll give you my son and I'll let him die on the cross for you. When was the last time we accepted that? You know what's really neat about this? Is verse 8. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, while they have, you may find, be found, surely when the mighty waters rise, and you will reach him. That's not the verse I wanted, sorry. Um, oh, here it is, verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to you, Lord, and you forgave the guilt. Of my sin. If you're still living in guilt of things that you did years ago, let it go. He doesn't want you to feel guilty. That's Satan. Satan uses guilt, not our Father. So I realize as you look through what we've talked about this morning, you've got. Worship of Jesus, you've got David worshiping. I'm not saying you should worship sin, but I think you really need to stop and think about your sin. But I want to take you back to Psalm 100 as we close. As we walk out of this facility, as you go about your afternoon, as you go about your week, as you are sent out into battle, Shout for joy to all the, to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who has made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. What gladness is in your heart today because of your, because of your God? What thanksgiving could you give Him this morning? Because He loves you. Because of His faithfulness. Here's the real interesting part. And every single one of you will have a choice with this. Will you allow, will you give, the, give God permission to take this word and make it part of your life. 
Will you see the Messiah in songs? Will you see the opportunities of worship the way David did? And not just keep it out there. Not just enjoy the stars. Not just be reminded of God's faithfulness. But allow that to become part of your life. Give God permission to that become part of your life so your lifestyle changes. The demons know Satan is, is out around. The demons know that Jesus is alive. They know that, but they will not allow Jesus into their life. My prayer for us as a family is we would say, Jesus, you're welcome here. Not in a building, not in a sanctuary, but in our lives. What will you do with Jesus today? It's a really good question. You say, well, I'm just going to go have lunch. And you made a choice with Jesus. Luke talked to you about a personal relationship with Jesus. Recognizing that you're a sinner. A lot of people know that you're a sinner. But will you recognize it? Will you stop and say, I have a need. And I have to do something with this need. When you smash your hand, when you hit your hand, you hit your thumb with a hammer, you normally go get some ibuprofen, Tylenol, whatever, and then you put ice on it. You do something about it because it's been hurting. It'll keep on thumping if you don't. You have a sin need. What are you going to do with it? What will you do with Jesus when that comes to that? Oh, you say, well, preacher, I've already asked Jesus for forgiveness of my sins. Okay. What will you do with the word of God then that he's speaking to you today? What will you do with that? See, what you do with that will determine this. Heaven is not a reward, it's a gift. The reward of faith is for God to say, I'm not ashamed to be called your God. I'm not ashamed to be called your God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for some time in your word. And I don't want to make this too simple and I don't want to make this too complex. But you're sitting here at a place called Bible Fellowship Church on Hammock Road. Probably in the seat that you normally sit in. What will you do with Jesus today? Is he your savior? Will you allow him to empower you? To give you strength to be the son and daughter that he wants you to be? I don't want anyone to leave here thinking there's no way that I cannot sin and there's no way that God's not going to be proud of me. I don't want you to think that way. But I want you to stop and evaluate your thought process. I want you to stop and evaluate your lifestyle. That's my reasoning behind this today. Stop and not just say that you love Jesus, but ask Him for strength to live His love out of your life. Father, you know who's sitting before you. I don't know. I know names and faces and people, but you know hearts. And so, Father, the heart that needs to say yes to you as Savior today, draw them to yourself. The heart that's sitting in the seat that normally sits here that that they're not willing to say, you know what, Father, 
I want you to live out of my life. I give you my life. I surrender to you. Draw them to yourself. As we close our time together, if you'd like to pray with somebody, there's the What's Next ministry. It's out back, the main sanctuary, the second door on the left. But before we leave, and I just want to know if, there, if you just say, I'm not, it's not a salvation decision and it's not saying your life is falling apart, but you're just saying, Pastor Todd, would you pray for me today? There's just things going on in my life and I need somebody to pray for me. Would you just put your hand there and say, you know what, Pastor Todd, that's me. Okay, anybody else? Okay, you put your hands down. Father, you, you see the hands. Father, you really see the hearts. God, may our hearts hunger and thirst for you. God, may our hearts run to you. And Father, the ones that have put their hands in there and say that they, there's a need or there's a burden, there's something going on. God, would you show yourself real to them? Would you draw them close to your word? Would you give them the strength to trust in you? God, would you be their God? Would you show yourself strong? Would you show them your faithfulness? Father, thank you for allowing us to come and meet with you. Father, may we be individuals that just give our lives to you. Ask for strength. Father, thank you for allowing us to meet with you. In your name I pray. Amen.